Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. I'm Brad Myers. I'm the Adult Ministries Pastor at Faith Bible Church and your host on the podcast. And this morning, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dave Drevo, who will be a new voice to you. He's one of our non-staff elders here at Faith Bible Church, and he graciously agreed to come in and jump in on this se- or this series, this How the Gospel Changes Everything series that we're doing right now. Uh, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks. you so much for joining us. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. I I have a face for radio, so this is going to be great. Well, you know, I, I think I only invite people that have faces for radio. You, you invite what you know, right? You know, <laughs> so we're all in that boat together. Uh, I'm really excited, listeners, for you to hear some of Dave Drevo's heart on this subject. We're going to be talking about the gospel and your money this week. Well, Dave, I'm really excited to have you here this week. And again, <laughs> it's been fun watching this series kind of unfold because Tom was hurt and I, I, we, had, we had planned on doing the gospel and your marriage and James ended up in the pulpit and he's talking about 1 Peter 3 and your marriages. And then a few weeks ago, uh, Dave or David Watson ended up in the pulpit and he was scheduled to be on the podcast that week. And so again, now we've got Zacchaeus and we're talking about the gospel and your marriage. I, I love how this is all <laughs> lining up, hopefully, mm-hmm. for our listeners. And we're going to continue our sermon series of how the gospel changes everything and talking about the gospel and your money. But before we get to that, I just want you to have the chance to introduce yourself a bit to our listeners, because likely um, many of them haven't met you personally. Um, so let's just start out with, what, what is your one-minute testimony? And in brief, uh, how did you come to Christ? Well, thanks, Brad. I, um, I came to Christ in college um, about uh, 50 years ago. <laughs> uh, as a freshman, I was uh, on a basketball scholarship here at Nebraska, and uh, a couple of guys knocked on my dorm room door and came in at my invitation and said they wanted to talk about uh, being a Christian, and I was open to that. I was a church-going young man, and uh, so then they started talking about a, uh, a message that seemed way too simple to me <laughs> about um, placing your faith in Jesus Christ and that you would be saved from your sin. And uh, they got done and they said, uh, would you, well, they said, first of all, do you have a Bible? And I, I reached up on a shelf and pulled off a dusty Bible. Yeah, I got a Bible. <laughs> right. Um, and they went in through the scriptures in their Bible to share this very simple message of faith. And uh, I responded to them with complete rejection. Mm. I said, uh, you know, I, uh, I've i been a Christian a long time, and I know it's not that simple. And uh, over the—they left. I've never seen them since then. But uh, over the next year and a half, uh, the Holy Spirit just continued to uh, mm. work on my life to uh, get me to a point, in my case, where I was so low that I had no one to see but God and, and uh, to give— God finally first place and uh, turned my life over, and I accepted Jesus then as my Savior at age uh, 21. So I am now 70, and I've uh, in 
enjoyed uh, a fellowship with God and other believers uh, through those all those years. Mm-hmm. What a good reminder of the fact that we plant the seed, but it's up to the Spirit, and we never know what He's going to do with it. Exactly right. For mm-hmm. me, uh, like I said, I, I never saw those guys again, but other people uh, stepped into my life and continued to share that message, and I thought, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And I finally gave uh, God finally the chance to touch my heart. Mm-hmm. One day, hopefully, you'll, you'll get to see them again. And, yes, you know, I mean, yes. That'll be a fun moment when you get to thank them for what they did. And That's right. Oh, that'll be cool. Okay, so then, obviously, you said you're, you're 70 now. You've been a believer for 50 years. How did you become an elder at Faith Bible Church? Well, um, I was one of the uh, f- men that started the church. Uh, we, <clears throat> we got together a, a group of men who felt the need to start a new body of believers in Lincoln, but we just prayed and prayed about it together. And uh, over a period of several months, we came to the conviction uh, that uh, this is what God was leading us to do. And uh, then uh, as we formed the church, we we first few gentlemen uh, became elders uh, to get the church going, and I have been on and off of the elder council three different times uh, in the church's <laughs> history. get away Dave. in the church's history. <laughs> you know? I, I felt uh, at various times I felt the need to focus on other things, and then God um, mm. called me back again to the leadership, and uh, so I am currently an elder for the third stint, uh, as they say, and uh, mm. it, it's just been a blessing to see how God has led through all these years. Mm. Amen. Amen. Uh, lastly, what's what's a favorite verse of yours that's been significant for you and why? Well, there's uh, there's so many, but I have always clung to Romans 8, 28. Uh, all things work together for good for those who are uh, who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Uh, I have to remember that God is always working behind the scenes. Whether I can see his hand at work or not, he's always working, and all things do work for his glory and to my good. So that's really been a favorite for mm-hmm. for for many years. Yeah, I know that's a favorite of many people, and that reminder, especially in trying seasons, uh, that God is at work. Uh, very good. Well, thank you for taking the time to introduce yourself. Sure. And listeners, I'm really excited for you to hear from Dave this morning. Um, but if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we've been walking through how the gospel impacts every area of our life. We've been talking about how the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, has a past reality. It's our door into salvation. It's got a future hope. It's our door into heaven. But it also has a current reality and a transformative effect on our lives. Uh, We've touched on the gospel in your identity, the gospel in your marriage, the gospel in your family. And then last week, David Watson talked about the gospel and your work. And this week, I'm excited to talk about the gospel and your money. Um, I know money is one of those sensitive subjects uh, that people always get a little hesitant to talk about, but it's also one of the most common topics in all of Scripture um, that Jesus brings up and comes up all sorts of places through the Bible. Um, So, Dave, let me just get this started off. How does what the Bible calls the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, intersect with what we do with our money? Well, I think the, the, there are some foundational things that we have to be aware of. Uh, as a believer, I have given my life to God who, who owns all things, and uh, certainly I belong to Him, and everything that I have is a gift from Him. Mm-hmm. It's not given to me by his, uh, out of His uh, uh, meager means. God mm-hmm. owns all things, and when He gives to us out of His wealth, out of His abundance— He's not giving up anything. He, he continues to have everything, 
and it all belongs to him. So I have to recognize that not only do I belong to him, but everything that I have belongs to him. Everything that we all have belongs to him. And uh, that kind of forms the foundation of my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as God owns everything, then I am given uh, a stewardship. And so it kind of mirrors the fact that I've accepted Jesus Christ. What do I do with that? I have a stewardship to live for him and to share that faith with those around me as well. Uh, when it comes to material things, I am also under a stewardship uh, he owns it, and I am to take care of it. And we uh, we know that uh, there are stories in the New Testament about the master who has given responsibility to mm-hmm. his servants to steward some of the resources that the master has entrusted to them. And I think that's clearly a parallel to what uh, God has entrusted to each one of us, mm-hmm. is a stewardship to manage uh, what he has for his glory and for our good. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I I love that ownership versus stewardship concept, because I think that totally transforms our paradigm, right? Correct. Most of us tend to think we've got something that we've earned, right? We've got whatever X amount of money. Everybody's got a different amount, right? right? right. X amount of money, X amount of things. And now I'm going to either begrudgingly or graciously give some of that back to God, right? You know, maybe it's 10% or maybe it's any number of good things. But transforming that to be like, God owns it all. Why did he give it to me? Yeah, why did he? He entrusted to me uh, this stewardship, and I think that the stewardship itself has several elements. It carries with it a responsibility first. Mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to show him that uh, I can act responsibly with his um, resources and uh, not squander them. Um, We came early in our marriage to the realization of this, and um, we have always tried to tithe from our gross uh, income, and uh, uh, some people say, well, you're a lawyer, you can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came to that realization when I was a, a, f- a teacher making $12,000 a year. <laughs> there you go. And, there you go. Uh, and one of the things that he gave us as a stewardship was our children. Mm-hmm. In addition to uh, our other resources, he gave us a, a couple of children to raise. And along the way, my wife, who was working as a nurse, decided she wanted to stay home and raise the children uh, on a real personal basis. And and uh, we made that decision when we were making very little money and living in a mobile mm-hmm. home. And yet God stayed faithful uh, to us and provided all of our needs. We did without a lot of things, but he provided all of our needs, even at a time when I was making $1,000 a month. Mm. Um, That has translated into um, trust. Mm. It has built a trust in us that no matter what the circumstance, we can trust God to meet all of our needs, and we owe him uh, in, in light of all of that. We owe him our allegiance. We owe him our trust. And uh, so no matter what the circumstances, we are uh, responsible to him and we trust him. And in light of that also, there is this accountability. Uh, we're, not, we're not just giving some of our resources to him. We are accountable for what we do, what we receive, and what we um, give to him and to others in his name. And then um, eventually there will be the reward. And that, that, that is an eternal reward. Um, but it's, it does, again, parallel the uh, master entrusting to his servants the resources, and uh, uh, there's no greater reward than, uh, than heaven itself and, and God saying, uh, you've trusted me, well done. Mm. 
Mm. And so that's uh, that's where we've tried to continue to to place our trust is uh, in His providence and in His provision. Amen. I just I just heard an illustration. I was listening to somebody speak on this subject, and he talked about how when we budget, when we when we set kind of how we're going to spend our money, it's kind of like we're trying to figure out how to make every dollar run off and glorify God. So we're asking ourselves the question like. He's given us this, but it's all his still. How are, how are we going to faithfully make sure it serves the, the ultimate purpose of creation, right? right, to glorify God? And so we get the chance to direct these little portions of God's creation and, and use them that's right. to, to run off and glorify God. And regardless of whether that's a lot or a little bit, there's different seasons of life. Um, the story obviously makes me think of the widow's might, you know, and how uh, the, the individual that gave a whole bunch isn't praised by Jesus, but the individual who gave significantly from what she had um, is praised by God. That's right. And uh, whether we live in a mobile home or we live in a several hundred thousand dollar home, what are we doing with that home? Are we uh, inviting people in? Are we sharing the message of the gospel? Are we loving people? Are we using that resource in a way that glorifies him? And uh, whether it's a humble uh, uh, 12 by 70 mobile home that we lived in for a number of years, or whether it's our townhouse that we live in now, it's to be used for the Lord. And uh, and so we, we always want to make sure we're doing that along the way. Mm, very good. Well, we've already brought up a couple of passages here, but where does Scripture speak to this? Are there any specific passages that, that you'd like to share with our listeners to how Scripture talks about how we should handle our money? Well, I have a few scriptures here um, that I'm going to be actually reading from. I don't have them memorized, but the first one that talks about God owning everything, and that's from Psalm 24, 1, and it says, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. And so uh, that's the foundation. That's one of the foundational verses for the recognition that it, you know, from Genesis 1 on, he created all things. And all things belong to him. Another one uh, that we've talked about is his uh, supplying all of our needs, and that's from Philippians 4.19. And it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I think it's important to remember that when it says he supplies our needs according to his riches, that's different than if he would say he supplies our needs out of his riches. So um, the difference there is that it's in proportion to his riches, which are infinite. Mm -hmm. We can't put any limit on what God might supply to the person who needs whatever it is they need. He, he gives out of his riches is different than according to. If, he give, if I give something out of my riches, then I have less after I give it to you. But if I, if I give according to my riches, mm -hmm. I'm giving a portion Without regard to what's left, of course, God's ne uh, riches never decrease. <laughs> right. And I don't give a thought to mine decreasing if I give according to my riches. Yeah. And uh, so his infinite riches are what we can trust, and he does supply all our needs. Very good. Very good. I, I, I love some of those passages. You know, it even makes me think of... Um, I want to say later in Tom's sermon series, he's going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount and some of these themes, you know, in Jesus' illustration there, right? God clothes, clothes the flowers of the field. He, he, he protects the birds of the air. And, and yet, why do you worry, right? He's given right. out of or according to his riches. That's exactly right. to your point. It's a good reminder of the fact that God doesn't need us to give anything to him. He has everything he needs. That's right. Um, it's it's a, good, a good, good thing to think about, very much so. 
Okay, so we've talked a little bit here about how the gospel redeems this thing, money. We have a tendency to kind of think of it in a in a in a human way to be like, we got to grind it out, we got to get as much as we can, you know, we got to find ways to to make money. That idea and 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 all of that, we work for money, and all that is is true to some extent. Okay, but how is it significant? Like, what what changes in the way we handle our money and the way we live our lives when we recognize that God owns it all? that he doesn't need anything from us, and yet he's given us a stewardship to handle on his behalf. Well, I think one of those uh, things that is different is uh, my priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I'm, when I'm concerned about what I have, how much I have, making sure I hold on to as much as I can, uh, that means that God has to pry it out of my hand, and that's a painful process. <laughs> None of us wants to be <laughs> to be there. But if I hold it with an open hand, and God takes out of it what He wants, I don't miss it, and uh, I am blessed for having given it. And uh, there's the priority is to honor the Lord in my um, possessions and in my giving. Yeah. And as long as I'm honoring him, I don't look back and say, oh, now I have this much less. Uh, I find, quite honestly, that he provides more than enough to, to take its place mm. in, uh, in my fulfillment, in my enrichment from what I do have. I take great um, comfort in knowing that if I withhold it, uh, if I withhold, let's say, $1,000 from the Lord that I really feel I should give, but I'm afraid to give it, mm. he's going to get it out of me somehow in a broken washing machine <laughs> or a broken down car, and I'll end up paying $1,000 <laughs> out of my pocket, and I'll still be without it, but I didn't get go. the blessing of giving it to him. So I, that's mm. been true all through life, yeah. is to uh, to give it to him doesn't mean I won't have a broken down car, but I won't miss it. It's mm. it's given with joy. Mm-hmm. And he really wants us to be joyful givers when it comes to um, helping others and uh, and giving to his work as well. Mm. I love that thought. And, I, and it just it just strikes me as, as how significant or how much of a mind shift that takes, a, a shift in our mindset on this. Because uh, what we're doing really is we're exchanging something that's of no eternal significance. You know, the money we have, it really... It's not going to stick with us. It's right. not going to be something that's going to last for eternity. And we get to transfer it in for something of eternal significance, you right. know, for, uh, for glory to God, for, for eternal rewards, for what he's given us. And if, if, you, if, if you were an investment advisor, you know, and you're sitting down across the table with somebody, and you're going to say, this is an asset that's going to disappear in 10 years. I'm going to give you an asset that's going to last for eternity. The financial advisor would be a crazy person if he didn't tell you not to invest in that endeavor. That's right. Right? But that is the reality of what we face. That's right. Uh, We we will have uh, uh, an eternity to look back and say, you know, as I honored the Lord, I was blessed. Did I did I have to give up some of my resources? No, I gave God back His resources mm. that He had entrusted to me, and it was a blessing to give it back either to Him or to someone in need. And the, that and alone uh, more than compensates for the the negative on the balance sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. God, God in His goodness. Right, he gives us what we give back to him, and then he gives us credit for giving it back to him. <laughs> that would right. sound crazy about Robert from from the gospel, right? Yeah, and and we can't we can't say, well, I'm going to give a thousand dollars because then maybe I'll have ten thousand mm-hmm. put back in my pocket. That's not the motivation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The motivation is to be godly, to honor God, and if it does cost me, you know, to do so, I, I'm blessed 
to be able to have it to to give for him or for someone else's uh, needs. Mm. And uh, he doesn't need my money, but he needs my uh, joy in the giving that I do in that that recognizes that it was his to begin with. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so so we've already gotten a little bit personal here now, Dave. Okay, <laughs> so we've gotten practical. Now let's get a little bit personal here. What what does this look like in your life personally as as you've tried to figure out what God would have you do with your money in you and Angie's personal lives? Well, we have always tried to live humbly. I mean, I don't I don't buy too many new cars. Um, I don't buy uh, lots of things. We have tried to live humbly and. Uh, and, and we look back on the times when we lived in small apartments and, and a mobile home and, uh, and really didn't have a whole lot. And, and, I, and I think that we were just as happy then <laughs> as we are now with what we have and what he's blessed us with. Um, in terms of the personal feelings, it is, it is a, a habit that we have gotten into to give uh, off the top, for example, if I uh, take in a fee, uh, I immediately put a certain percentage of that away for first God's uh, tithe, secondly for income tax, and then we live on what's left. We mm. don't we don't uh, mm. worry about that because God does provide for us. But that is His money. It's not my money. It's His money, and we put it aside right away. And so then it's just a joy to write the check out if it's going to be a check or it's just a joy to give it to someone in need because he's made it possible to have it in the first place. And uh, we had some friends down in uh, Joplin, Missouri, who were in great need. And so we were able to help them and they were very grateful. I don't, I didn't miss that money because it was God's, it was, you know, it was God's to begin with. And I'm just the guy dispensing it. Oh, they need help or, you know, we want to tithe and do this and that. And it's, it's, uh, it's fun to know that I'm not giving away my money. I'm, I'm giving away God's money. I'm sharing back with him and his people, uh, that which he's blessed me with. So Hmm. Uh, if I'm holding on to it tightly, though, that makes it very difficult to write that check or to give it away. And and I've s- been so blessed by what's happened during the COVID uh, here in our church. You know, when people stopped uh, coming to church for a while and then came back, not everybody's come back to in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet our our giving has just been wonderful through that whole time. It's such a blessing to see people not let this uh, stop them from being generous with uh, the resources God has entrusted to them. Yeah, very much so. Uh, listeners, we know uh, you guys are part of that, and we really appreciate that. And it so much speaks to what we're talking about, you know, that, that right. God is in control, that, that God has what he needs to provide for us what we need. Um, okay, so let me, let me circle back here a little bit uh, within your family. Um, you'd mentioned you've got a couple of kids. I know one of the questions I get related to money is, is how do I begin teaching my kids, teaching others, instilling in them the same sort of principles that we're talking about? Could you speak to that a little bit, how you tried to get your kids to understand this concept? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I was the greatest at doing that, <laughs> but I tried to role model. Yeah. I tried to uh, you know, let them know that this was an important thing to uh, give uh, God out of what we had uh, first and foremost. Um, and, I, you know, how, how they've learned that lesson or not, I, I think that I've seen glimpses of, uh, you know, great joy that they've had in giving as well. 
but you know they they have to make those decisions for themselves under their circumstances. I just remember a time when uh, when uh, my first was born and the insurance company said, "Oh, you don't have maternity coverage." And uh, there was a long time where we had to make little payments to the hospital. Mm. And um, we just prayed about it. And six months later, we got a check from the insurance company. And uh, they reconsidered my appeal of our coverage. And uh, that's a long story that I won't go into. But the, the check was in the mailbox just after Angie and I prayed about why we had a lot more month at the end of our money. <laughs> and yeah. asked for him to provide. And and mm-hmm. he did provide, but, you know, he provided that check in the mailbox while we were praying. It was already in the mailbox. And we had enough money to pay all of our bills and to tithe the amount of the check that was there. And and we, we were uh, driving down the road just crying uh, at his great generosity to us in that very moment when we needed it the most. And that has been a pattern all through our marriage of him providing over and over again. And I think our children have seen us show that appreciation to the Lord, and I hope that they then mirror that as well. Mm. There's obviously the principle here about prayer, too, that, mm-hmm. that God knows what we need before we ask. That's right. It's an incredible reality. Uh, what a cool story, an mm. opportunity to see God work in your lives. Uh, any any other practical things, just normal, everyday sorts of things that, that you and Angie have tried to do with your money? Uh, I think... Uh, I think I would go a little bit different direction with that, and that is uh, the use of debt and credit mm. cards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great temptation to want to have things now, mm. and credit cards have been uh, instrumental in allowing us to have many things that we really can't afford at the moment. But if I put it on a credit card, it allows me to think that I can then pay for it over time and enjoy it now. Yeah. And I think that it's a huge trap, quite honestly, when we do that. And I've, I've been caught in that trap a few times, fortunately not in a large way, but mm-hmm. uh, I wanted something bad enough that I put it on a credit card and it became a, a very difficult thing to try and pay back with interest rates and that sort of thing. And I think what we have to understand is that God does provide. He, he, he doesn't want us to take advantage of that notion that he provides to our own detriment. Uh, I am presuming upon the Lord when I say, well, I'm going to charge that now and just trust that even though I can't afford it, someday I will be able to afford it. Well, two or three years later, we're still paying for that item, and it's long since gone away and been worn out, and I don't even have it, but I'm still paying on that debt. And I think that that has been one of our principles here at Faith Bible Church is that if God wants us to do this, he will provide the resources. We may have some delayed gratification in the process, but at the end, it'll be all paid for and we'll have it and we can see his hand at work in that instead of just uh, trusting a piece of plastic instead of the Lord. Yeah. Jenna and I were laughing even this last week. We got our credit card statement um, and we make a habit, we budget with it, and we pay it off every month, like you're right. talking about. And uh, we were just laughing because I looked at it and I went, this is the amount. And then they said, this is your minimum payment. And if you paid only the minimum payment, you would be paying on this for, and I said, nine years. Nine years. <laughs> we're not talking an astronomical <laughs> amount of money, but the minimum yeah. payment, it would be nine years. And it just it makes you think of where in Proverbs, Scripture speaks to, you know, the borrower is slave to the lender. 
And what you're speaking to is we're called to be slaves to God. He's our master. He's the one. It's his money. And in some ways, when we when we incur debt, though not wrong, it's not forbidden, strictly speaking, in Scripture, it kind of puts a different master in place where our money Absolutely. has to serve that rather than being directly allowed yeah. to glorify God. And that's Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is, is slave to the lender. And we've been in, in situations like that where we've been in that oppression uh, because of debt uh, mm. from time to time, and thankfully God... Uh, got us through that uh, situation and taught us that maybe we should just not do that again, <laughs> um, yeah. that we can we can not uh, yield to the impulse to buy something with credit, uh, but let's yield to God's provision. And when we save up for something, the buying of it is a much more joyous uh, occurrence, and we enjoy the thing itself much more after it's all you know it's paid for free and clear, and now we're enjoying it uh, without being oppressed by the debt obligations. Mm. Amen. Very good. Well, listeners, hopefully this has been a helpful conversation for you. Hopefully this has helped you see how your money uh, is really impacted, you know, by by Christ, by His gospel, by His ownership of us right. as as those who serve Him. Uh, let me just kind of bring around some of the high points that we talked about here uh, on the podcast. The first is that that paradigm shift of remembering we are stewards, we're not owners. God owns everything, and He's given us a stewardship. He doesn't He doesn't need our money. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money, but He gives us the opportunity to be blessed by returning to Him the gifts that He's given us. Just a really really good reminder uh, that David shared here this morning. Uh, secondarily, remember God will provide according to his riches, that right. God is faithful, that, that he knows the details of our lives, that he knows the budget you have, that he knows uh, when, we, when we give to him from the first fruits right from the beginning, right. uh, and he's aware of that, and that makes a difference. Um, and then thirdly, one of the things that Dave talked about here this morning is it changes when we, when we consider the gospel and our money, our priorities entirely shift. Mm. When we remember that we've been redeemed, that we've been purchased by the blood of Christ, Everything we have is a free gift to return to use for God's glory. And are our priorities with our money the same as God's priorities with the things he's created in this world? Are we using our money primarily to glorify him and for the good of others? Or are we using our money primarily for ourselves? And I think that's a good challenge for us to remember as well. Any, any final sub or topics, any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with, Dave? I think that uh, in light of what we've talked about, um, one very basic thing to remember is if you're making a certain amount of money, uh, live on less than that. Hmm. And uh, and that will create a, a, a sense of uh, security in knowing that no matter what I have, if I live on less than that amount, I'm going to be okay in terms of finances. And that is what allows me then... Um, the the less is what's there after I give to God and uh, what I give to the government and that sort of thing out of obligation. Um, but I need to be then uh, satisfied. Mm. I need to be uh, content yeah. with that. And uh, our society is one to create discontent. You've got to have this. You've got to have that <laughs> right. to be happy. Right. And we don't need to have this or that to be happy. We need to be happy in the Lord and with what he's provided for us. And yeah. that's true happiness. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. 
To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.